You are now entering the MXU podcast. No credentials required. Well, hey, everyone. Welcome to episode 129 of the MXU podcast. I'm Jeff Sandstrom, and I'm here as always with my co-host, Lee Fields. Our co-host, Master of Ceremonies, Dedu Worldwide himself, Jay Desai, is back with us. Welcome, boys. We are worldwide with Jay Desai. We are. Y'all welcome. Welcome to my world. So... We are coming to you live from South Africa. Johannesburg. Johannesburg. We have been in South Africa for three days now. It's either three or eight. <laughs> it's one of the Hard two. To tell. It depends if you count a day between my naps because I'm yeah. not getting full nights. Right. Yeah. But we're we're thrilled to be in Africa. We flew in on Friday night. Was it Friday? Mm-hmm. No, we left Thursday. No, we left Thursday. We arrived Friday. We got here Saturday. <laughs> yeah. we Lee and I were traveling for over 30 hours each to get here, which was great. But, I flew my jet, so yeah, I don't know. Jay flew private. But the... Um, yeah, the Atlanta. No, to, he didn't. People will no, think that's true. He did not. <laughs> I mean, that says a lot about my status out. Yeah. He did not. We we flew. We all flew from Atlanta to Joburg, and the Atlanta to Joburg flight is Delta's longest leg worldwide, and so it's a sixteen-hour flight. Yeah. And we we had a great time watching a bunch of movies. And I didn't watch one movie. I don't know how you did that. Well, I worked and I prayed. <laughs> No, you didn't. Not one time. And I snored. You, <laughs> you definitely snore. snored. You were sitting beside me, and there was some snoring going on. But it it's a great. light snore. It's a little... It's like a drum roll. It's soothing, actually. Anyway, we got a chance to play over the weekend. We went to Cape Town for the weekend. Yep. Played some golf on Saturday, which was awesome. It was awesome. And then on Sunday... I didn't play golf because no, Jay didn't play it's, golf. it's violent when I play golf. Jay has a cousin in every major city in the world, so he hung out with a cousin. I didn't. My cousin Hinesh lives here, and he's awesome. And he's a photographer. Yeah. It's cool. But you got to sit on the beach. And oh, yeah. We had a great time. Yeah. And you uh, almost had to go to the ER. I did. Um, you, I need did. To tell the, you need to tell the good people that story. <laughs> so uh, when I travel, I generally put my pocket knife in a shoe next to cologne bottle and, and other stuff that goes in shoes to take up space and uh for some reason there was already a knife in my bag because i have multiples and uh so i had already pulled one knife out and, and strapped it on and so when i put my foot in my shoe uh the ink one of the knives that i was carrying was open and i didn't realize it was in there because i thought it fell out of the shoe and that was the knife because it's the same knife anyways it cut Three, four of my toes, and and part of it cut across your toes long ways. Yeah, long ways. Them. Yeah, and then the tips. Yeah, it's it's not not a good feeling. Um, <laughs> but then, like, I couldn't rip the shoe off, so then I I like collapsed. If you can picture me in my underwear, just collapsed <laughs> on the bottom of the hotel floor trying to get the shoe. I'm not flexible, so trying to get the shoe off. I mean, if someone had walked by my room, it would have looked like a crime scene. <laughs> and so I finally got it off, and it, I mean, it's just blood everywhere, and I had to wrap my foot. And then ten minutes later, I was in the lobby. Yep, man, road life. I've been <laughs> road dog. I've been hopping along ever since. Wow. Yep, here we are. Um, so then Sunday morning, we went to church. We did. In Cape Town. Yep, we went to Hillsong's Cape Town campus. Yep. And had a great time. Guillaume hosted us, and he was a gracious host, showed us all around. We got to see and hear some of their uh, morning worship service, and then we saw their broadcast suite, and yeah, their their property, the lobby is amazing. Just really, really good stuff. Yeah, it used to be a nightclub. Yeah. And then the church bought the nightclub took the bar out and turned it into a church campus. Yeah. So it was cool. I'd have kept the bar. We know you would have. And then uh and then we flew to Johannesburg today. Right. So we're here today and right now we're sitting in a pretty cool room and we have two other guests here with yes. us too. Right. So our host here in South Africa is Nathan Elenfeld from Stage Audio Works. So uh, Nathan, why don't you just tell us a little bit about your company and what you're doing just operations-wise and business-wise, because it's a lot more than just church integration, but you do have a lot of church clients. So just give everybody a little feel for what Stage Audio Works is all about. Yeah, so well, hi, everyone. Uh, it's great to have the guys here. Uh, we're really looking forward to a great week, and I think uh, we're going to have a good time. Um, our company is a distributor and systems integrator, so we represent a number of brands 
um, including D&B, Sennheiser, Yamaha, a couple of others you guys may have heard of. But we also have a big manufacturing operation. We make road cases, trussing, and a couple of other products for the local markets. And we handle systems integration across worship, theaters, museums. We do a lot of work in the Middle East in places like Saudi Arabia and UAE um, in that space stadiums, all sorts of these types of projects. So yeah, our business is pretty diverse, but the core uh, market for us um, is definitely church. And um, yeah, all across Africa, we've done projects in over 20 countries. Um, and yeah, focusing on um, on churches of all sizes and all budgets, uh, which is kind of a different thing uh, to what you guys may have experienced in the US. Um, and yeah, that's kind of what we do. That's great. Well, what I love about why we're here is that we're really hoping to just help audio engineers from a lot of different churches, a lot of different styles and sizes of churches get better. You know, our whole our whole mission for the time that MXU has existed since day one was for us all to work together to get better. And I'm excited to see the number of churches who are coming from the number of places that those churches are because it represents a very wide spectrum of the church in Africa. Yeah, totally. So there's around 250 people coming and like, what are the different countries they're coming from? Just spout them out. So mostly from South Africa, but also from Namibia, Zimbabwe, Mauritius, Tanzania, Kenya, um, maybe Botswana as well. I see some names on that list. So really all over Southern Africa. Yeah, Southern it's and amazing. Eastern Africa, yeah. yeah. Some people are taking like four-hour flights to get here. Yeah. Um, so really great commitment to come and learn. I think everyone has a desire to get better at what they do. Um, I think a lot of training in this part of the world is really gear-specific, and I, I think that part of our company ethos is we find that quite boring. It's all going well to know how a specific piece of gear works, but how to apply it in your context is, I think, where, um, where this event will create a lot of value for a lot of people. Yeah, for sure. Um, and we have another guest here and because we have a lot more to talk about with Nathan, but it's important that we introduce uh, a return to the podcast. You've been on before? I haven't. I haven't been on the podcast you, before. How, how has this happened? Well, it's because we're scared he's going to tell a joke. And <laughs> oh, man. Cue, cue the hedgehog. So we were on a podcast with Asher for D&B, but he has not been on our podcast. Got it. So. That's it. Yeah, we did the live streams kind of early in the yep. COVID times. That's right. So, so. Asher Dowson's here. Um, Asher is a Brit living in Norway. Working for a German company. Working for a German speaker company, DMB. So your title, well, what you've done for DMB is kind of morphed over the years a little bit, but what's your actual title? Technically, Chief Tea the Enthusiast and... Uh, <laughs> comedy genius no it's a global house of worship segment manager okay so you know for five and a half years now um been leading the the strategy and development of our global business within worship contexts and naturally with dmb's you know sound systems it's quite broad quite diverse but really making sure we we resonate with what matters to people so me as a individual church from day one you yeah. know I was born into a Church of England, so Anglican church, you know, wasn't the first drummer in that church, Matt Redman, Tim Hughes, all the delirious stuff back in the day and moved to a church called Abundant Life as it was then and Life Church. So that was Paul Scanlon earlier and then Charlotte Gamble and Steve Gamble later on and was there from when I was about 14 involved in worship and a bit on the production side, always kind of the, the friendly bridge between between the stage and, and uh, front of house. So, yeah, worked in uh, in integration and kind of audio gear, music gear sort of sales since I was very young. Had my own business when I was twenty, and yeah, we my Norwegian wife and I decided to relocate to Norway um, to have kids, and now we've got two wonderful little girls and great uh, salmon. You'll have great salmon. All the best salmon, as I like to tell people. Um, Norwegians introduced uh, salmon to the Japanese for sushi, so. On behalf of my adopted homeland, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And you, um, when you're home, you actually serve on your church's production team as one of the volunteers, and you've got basically yep. a church of about, what, 150 adults? Yeah, so in Norway, it's much different to what I was used to in uh, in uh, in Life Church. You know, we 
Life Church had campuses, Leeds, Bradford, big, you know, 3000 seat auditorium in Bradford and um, Belfast and Warsaw in Poland, kind of kind of the biggest European youth conferences that would get people from all over Scandinavia and Germany. Um, so I was, I'd, I'd been in it and definitely mostly volunteered because I kind of worked on it, similar things anyway, you know, 20, 30 conference time, <laughs> all yeah. the hours of the week. And, um, yeah. Bradford. So, I hear Bradford's got a good, good curry. It's the best curry scene in Europe for sure. Yeah. That's a little, that's, that's, that's bold. a bold state. That's, that's very words, bold. But yeah, that's fine. Well, the truth, the truth will set you free. So, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. Um, so yeah, been with, been with DMB for, uh, for five and a half years. So it was actually the founder of DMB's first sales partner, a company called Wigwam, who, um, great company. Great. Yeah. So Wigwam stands for without introduction, God welcomes all men. I didn't and, know that. Yeah. So one of the founders, either. Mick, Mick Spratt was from our church and he, he remortgaged his house at one point to buy more equipment for one of the Billy Graham white city crusades in the eighties. He's a, he's a, no you know, way. I won't say an he's icon, but like he's a hero. Yeah. Uh, in in church and in worship production, just everybody knows him. Like if you're doing a European tour and you're a major Christian artist, you, you go to <laughs> Wigwam for your gear. They're part of the Solar Tech group now, but still a lot of the same guys there and the same heart. So and Wigwam took after all of Coldplay's production. Yeah, so they still do. They still do all of Coldplay. Obviously, you know it's Firehouse for the US stuff, but yeah, yeah, all the control and line and everything, all that package, and then the the DMB systems for Coldplay. It's always gone through through wigwam and you know spice girls if that's your flavor it is not everybody's it's jay's i think i think they've done they've done all sorts of really really amazing stuff and obviously you know church integration i've been integration myself um well so yeah kind of got a little bit of a an eclectic uh mix of influences and some really great people who've kind of encouraged me and mentored me throughout the throughout the years and yeah great to to try and help a, a global company like dmb be of value locally and be relevant to what people deal with on not just on a Sunday, but when you're in when you're in projects, you're trying to make big decisions and you're trying to figure out like like a sound system. Like how often do you buy a sound system really? You know? And to to be to help people steward that decision well and that process well and inform them well, not just be salesy and marketing, but like genuinely and not not to like virtue signal it, but come from a place of some substance and authenticity as well. So yeah. That's great. Which is why we when you went to work at DMB five and a half years ago, we met right after that. Yeah. Well, originally, take that back. We did meet in 2013. We we did. There is there is uh, yeah fame and fable of some uh, chance at, meeting at your church in Bradford. Yeah. I was mixing the Jesus Culture tour, and yeah. we did a tour stop at your church. Yeah. And you were backline teching. I was. Yeah. Yeah. There was a beautiful SVT classic and an 810E Ampeg, and I was just yeah. Really enjoying looking at it after I'd sweated to bring it in the building and lift it up the stairs. I was pretty upset that they wanted to bring that. You were. The trailer for this tour was not a normal bus and trailer. (laughs) It was a bus and a doghouse on the back of the bus. Oh, man. It was tiny. And we had PA consoles and backline. And a handful of moving lights, too. Yeah, right. I mean, it was... It was a nightmare. But anyway, so we met then. But then you get hired by DNB, and then when we met... The words that you just said, talking about why you do what you do and why it's important, that's the reason Jeff and I wanted to partner with DMB. Yeah, and we have been now for five years. Yeah, well, you, this was this was our fifth year yeah. in partnership. You know, even through the the COVID times, obviously doing stuff. And before you were hired, DMB never really had a dedicated house of worship person. Is that true? Precisely. Yeah. No, we we kind of obviously we're really well known for the touring pedigree of, of our mobile products but and we've released a whole sway of really incredible intelligent solutions for that would really fit house of worship and and but they hadn't really quite translated what it means right and and why it matters and the process and the people and the the type of skill sets you have to kind of reach into and, and kind of address so that outside in perspective being kind of one of the people you kind of become in this segment way we do things is like <clears throat> you become the network for information so you're right into the center of the organization when it comes to product and marketing and and all that kind of stuff um and then reaching right out to the market to draw that outside in like customer centricity so that's kind of you know i'm the ambassador of 
the worship world and community and people and then the desires of how we're going to use technology most effectively to do what we do yeah into um into dmb so like you say now having been at you know 14 years at the biggest independent mega church in uh in the uk you know now in a wonderful little sleepy town in uh just south of oslo where my wife's family are from and you know just Starting from the ground up, they had a great, they had a great old twenty-five-year-old DMB system. Still works, still sounds great, still just a pleasure to mix on. But consoles dead, RF's just a disaster. So just, just training the team, and actually I've handed that over now. So I, I really, really kind of got dug in and, and just set some things right, set some people up to win because it was stress and panic and you know critiquing yeah. at the end of every service and just some just some practices that were a byproduct of frustration that they didn't have context for. So just set it up right in the first few years, and you know set them up kind of um, with the we did the streaming sort of set up right right before COVID. So we were kind of good to go, and just got them ready and off they went. And now I've got a great team of volunteers who are kind of running the whole organization themselves. And I just act as a as a kind of servant and advisor, I guess, whenever they uh, want to figure something else out, want to experiment. What do you think about this soundboard? And just trying to encourage and put context into you know the experience I've had in the past and and. And that's the approach I take for everybody. You know, I'm not a know-it-all, but together we can try and figure some things out. So that's cool. That is cool. Well, one of the things I love about your approach with um, connecting with churches and you know being an ambassador to the church for DNB is that I feel like the church has really become more aware of DNB as not just a touring product. In other words, some of the just incredible solutions that aren't a large line array have been new information to a lot of people. Yeah. So I think, you know, sort of down the product line, I think there's an awareness now in the church that never was there before. Sure. So that's that's something we can all be grateful for. Totally. And you know, it's the same thing like, oh, I want, I want that rig that that big band's got. Well, you don't need that product, but the brand has something appropriate. And that's the thing for us, like being part of that stewardship process. I mean, it's, it's all made in Germany. It's, designed by these just genius people I have the absolute honor to even get to you know talk to around and have some kind of opinion toward it's like yeah. these people don't need my advice on technical stuff but on how it matters and how it can be deployed and the features that that really you know drive value for churches and speci- specifically um yeah, that that's a real, a real honor and like you say we, we don't try and sell you the biggest thing that's really not our thing I've said no we've talked about you know saying no when it's someone just wants the the big thing that they don't need yeah there was a i i love this so much there's a we have multiple partners that have told churches no you're wasting your money and you're one of them yeah but there was a church that had wanted a a big system it was like a like ksl Mm -hmm. big like that'll do an arena and the right program material yeah yeah but from the stage to the back wall at front of house was like 30 feet yeah really really small (laughs) and dmb walked away from the deal and there's something else in there now, but it doesn't matter. But the point being, like, it's it's not always about making money. It's, exactly. It's actually about providing people with the solution that's appropriate and it'll meet their needs. And they would have been, and, and kind of are now with what they got, not too happy. So, yeah. um, so that's awesome. As you're talking about all that, even with D&B and like having multiple products to fit, you know, churches of all sizes. Most big manufacturers that we partner with that applies to, right? So the interesting thing to me, and Nathan, you can speak into this too a little, is Azure, like your job is to go tell R&D and the leadership team at DMB, here's what the church is needing. Here's the pulse of the church. Precisely, yeah. But you're not just talking about church in America. It's all over the world. Yeah. <laughs> like today, we talked about a church in Thailand. We've talked about a church in the Philippines. We've talked about obviously churches in Africa. And whether that's a church meeting in, you know, they're loading in and out of a event space in Thailand, or yep. they have a building here in Johannesburg, or it's in a living room in Nairobi. It's it it keeps coming back to the same needs. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, it's kind of, it's super cool, but it's also like, oh, holy crap. Like everybody really is connected and the needs of culture are 
pretty similar across the planet, no matter your budget size, no matter how many people are in your church, no matter what kind of gear you have, it really is all the same. And it's like people. That's it. A hundred percent. There's, and that's, that's, you know, the stories come back to me as you kind of, like you say, create this network of information and, and people and, you know, going through the pandemic, you know, whether people accept it or not, God is, God is doing things, whether you're, you know, kicking and screaming while he's doing it or you're accepting it, yeah, he's doing something and it's, and it's long-term, it's good. It might hurt for a little bit, but it's good. And you're not alone. Like that's the one thing that I say to everybody, you know, this feels like it's only happening to you. It's happening everywhere. And there's a bigger picture. There's a bigger context and we don't know exactly why. And it feels a little bit, you know, unfair yeah. sometimes. Yeah. Um, but I, re- I really feel excited and, and, and kind of bullish on, on, on the church and its place and its role, like seeing such amazing things happen and stories like, you know, Adam and Central giving away however many hundreds of thousands of tons of food during the pandemic. It's like, that's it. That's yeah. it. You know, if someone doesn't buy a PA because they're doing that or whatever, like that's it. Top button down. So I, I actually spoke to our global partner meeting back in 2019, I think it was. You know, stood on stage as 600 of our partners. I mean, 70% of them not involved in the church at all, really. Yeah. Um, obviously, a growing number of them are. Um, but we've got a big, lot of big rental companies who, you know, yeah. when you talk about spheres that, that are in orbit around the thing you're trying to do with that, that church is deliver a great project with a DMB system. Like, you're in the same sphere as feeding the homeless. You've got to respect that. So that, that was kind of a, and I think Nathan was, Nathan was there and I don't know how it felt for you, but I was like, I'm going to say it because this is how it is. You know, you can't pretend that this is just a market you're going to sell to. And, you know, we've got to start things right. Foundation has to be respect and honor because this is, this is, this is the end of the day. It's, it's God's money. So I got to, I got to know that I'm yeah. not wasting it from a sell, from selling too much and, you know, anything else, but, but just that care and consideration, that's the love that I think you know, we need to take with, with how we deal with people, whether yeah. it is just, you know, someone who's never going to give me anything at any point, can't offer me anything in my life. If I could just give them that then, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think to your point, you know, the need is the same. Obviously the application, the actual gear, the outcome might be, might look a lot different yeah. depending on the, the context, but the need is the same. So, you know, Nathan, obviously you've become very deft at providing solutions for people who by our standards have no budget. <laughs> so just talk for a minute about some of the, some of those challenges and just how some of those solutions have been realized. Um, because a lot of churches in America probably, um, they, they feel some of that same pressure. You know, a lot of our, a lot of our friends are in very small churches in the U S that may have a, a really small budget. So, you know, you're an expert at maximizing dollars. Yeah, that's what it's become. I think just for some context, South Africa has a pretty, an African general, a pretty volatile economy. Uh, at the moment, our currency is quite weak against the dollar. I think you guys may have saw that just buying dinner and stuff, that it's um, it's quite difficult to to sell expensive gear in this part of the world because of the currency instability. And um, it's something we have to manage on a daily basis. But the the number one thing we preach internally and some of my team that are in this room know about this kind of exact conversation, but um, for us, stewardship is the most important thing in our company. And I feel like that's something that should be applied in the church as well. And I think sometimes buying the wrong equipment multiple times is almost worse stewardship of the resources that have been entrusted to you in the organization than buying something that you can afford. Yeah. And for us, sometimes it's more a game of educating clients on what not to buy and to wait for certain things rather than to spend the money that they might be able to afford at that moment on something that isn't going to suffice their needs. We have a number of projects that we have DNB systems installed for, you know, 12 years onwards and just really no need to replace them because the client was well advised in the beginning and bought something that really met the needs of the organization into the future. So the budgets are small. Um, we, we, we tend to cut out a lot of fluff. I mean, I was in the US recently at one of your events and we spent some time with a big integrator in the Atlanta area um, looking at some of their projects and you feel a bit envious that, you know, I would love to have middle Atlantic uh, racks and all of this stuff and all of our project, but a lot of that stuff is just unjustifiable to our clients. Um, so we, we work really hard on, on value engineering out a lot of 
borderline unnecessary stuff, if I could say it that way, um, to provide the client with a really good solution. But what we do try is advise people to steward the resources that they do have well and invest in core components that will last them into the future. Well, and the other good thing about your company, though, is that you have invested as a company in manufacturing. Yeah. So when it comes to those racks and those mm-hmm. other sort of, you know, pieces of a project that is a real need, yeah. you're able to save a lot of cost by yeah. making it making yourself. It locally, yeah. And also empowering local people. I think uh, I laugh and I sit in the same room as one of our biggest suppliers, but I think it's a reasonably um, short-sighted decision for us to be just selling other people's gear all the time because the manufacturer is moving closer to the end user on a daily basis. And um, yeah, for us, we're in a long-term game. Um, so we want to empower local people, build a company that adds value and lasts into the future. We're not here for the short haul. So manufacturing is a big part of it. Um, we're also investigating you know, some OEM projects for really, or products for really low budget projects. We have, we have ministries in Africa with a really big vision, but not necessarily a really big budget. For reference, like the, the GDP, most of the population across the whole continent lives below the bread line in the US. So you might have a church with half a million members, but the budget of the same church, like, like a Baptist church in Atlanta that we went to, like maybe of three and a half thousand members, whatever, and you might have a ministry in Africa with a million members and a similar kind of operating budget. So, Pockets are not as deep as they are um, in that side of the world. So we, we're thinking about creative ways to engage that type of client um, because typically they might just buy some PA from Alibaba or something and implement it really badly. And I think where we add the value is on the technical expertise to, to implement even lower cost products well um, because yeah. a client like that might have a 10, 15 year journey and in five, 10 years time, they might be a DNB uh, client. So that's kind of where we... Uh, we have two, like probably the only two GSL uh, systems in Africa in the worship, uh, well, we in the world, yeah. And they're yeah. both in the worship segment. And, uh, yeah, and those both, are very large rooms. No, those are both in touring configurations. Okay. So um, one ministry uh, based in Kenya. Um, well, they're based in Sweden and the States, but their primary operation base is in Kenya, Mission SOS. And um, they do big crusades for hundreds of thousands of people on old airstrips and whatever. And they bought GSL and just ordered KSL. Previously, we're using another PA that got destroyed in a fire. So they, they're catering for huge crowds and another similar ministry in, in Africa here. Um, so it's just a unique requirement that we have. I know you mentioned Mick Spratt and Wigwam and they've been involved with Cross Royal Nations for many years with the big white painted leopard Leo and M3D and building big scaff towers and doing crusades for millions of people. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's um, kind of an interesting thing that we get involved with here. Um, but that's the that's a story of the what you just said before, the core components you yeah. invest properly in so you don't buy three times Correct. Yeah. something from Alibaba. But yeah. then when it comes to things like what we saw today, risers, four mm-hmm. by eight risers, road cases, yeah. truss. Um, truss is a big one. Like a piece of high quality truss, a 10 foot stick of 12 inch truss in America is a thousand dollars. And that is not very practical here. And then yeah. how do you get it here? Cause they're not manufacturing no. that here. So you guys are doing it yourself. So there's a machine out there that takes aluminum blocks and melts it down and you guys are making your own and you have a robotic welder even mm-hmm. so that these churches don't have to pay a thousand dollars for 10 feet of truss mm-hmm. and cabling. You guys are making your own cables, yeah, fiber optics, your own fiber. There's all kinds of that here. So it's, it's cool that it, it looks like a holistic vision to really help the church. It's like there's Yamaha consoles and Digico and, and D and B and, you know, high quality core components, but then literally every other piece down to transistors, mm-hmm. you know, you guys are trying to make it all. The one thing is distance divides us. I mean, we're 10,000 kilometers away from what's that in miles, 6,000 miles away from Europe and 8,000 miles away from the U S. So we have to be self-sufficient to some extent. So all of the products that we sell, we service down to component level because setting it down the road to Asheville, North Carolina to get fixed or whatever is just not an, an option for us, we have to fix stuff here. And so, um, yeah, definitely the uh, vision is to be a, uh, what we call a turnkey solutions provider um, with relevant solutions for our customers and what they're doing. And we really engaged. Um, and what we pride ourselves on is having the internal technical resource to actually use all of the stuff we sell, which isn't the case in, in our market. Like, I mean, Asher was out there with me on Friday night. We we were involved with a big music festival locally supporting our rental users there. And, you know, it's a big thing for me that our, our staff is able to run front of house of a big festival with international headliners. Cause I feel like we need to be offering that level of technical expertise to our entire client base, including the church. Um, 
And I think that's kind of what what we're trying to do to set ourselves up to differentiate ourselves from people that are just pushing product into a, a project and walking away. Um, but knowledge is the new superpower, so uh, it's kind of a, kind of our strategy. So knowledge, com- like linked with competitively priced products and relevant solutions, not necessarily cheap ones. Um, that's kind of our our plan. What does user level look like in the average church here in South Africa or in the continent of Africa? So a very small percentage of churches here would have staff and uh, a lot of the staff are ex-volunteers. That's kind of a trend that we've noticed. So people that were serving have now come on to staff as staff. Um, but it is a big uh, a big concern because we don't have a, a high influx of technically minded um, people. So yeah, that's why this event is so important. But something we're trying to set up to do more regularly is how do we take people from grassroots volunteer level and get them to a place where they're able to operate at least consistently, not necessarily excellently on day one, but I would rather have consistently average than wildly variable. Um, so I think it's a good start to try and do something like that. And a lot of larger churches are doing a lot of internal training, um, especially guys with staff engineers. Um, we do a lot of that as well. I send out my team to help churches on a regular basis, just with with more um, complex, what might not seem complex to a more technical end user, but more complex for a volunteer uh, issues to resolve. Um, so yeah, it is a it is a problem. Most churches here are reliant heavily on volunteers. I know of maybe two or three churches out of twenty thousand that have a policy that have a staff or contractor engineer on a weekend. Wow! Um, so it's a pretty yeah pretty different to the US. We went to tour a church there. Uh, can I say the name? Yeah, yeah, North Point in the US, and they had like a fourteen full time production staff, and those guys really knew what they were doing more than most professionals in our part of the world. And um, that's why they're able to deliver that sort of thing. Because at the end of the day, people make the production happen, not necessarily the equipment they're using. Um, and that's a really yeah, difficult uh, thing for us to navigate on this end of the world because we don't really have any tertiary level audio schools that are churning out, you know, questionably, okay, maybe you can have arguments all day about what somebody coming out of full sale has in their mind, but at least they've been exposed to, you know, operating at a higher level. Whereas here we have more or less none of that. Uh, there is yeah, a science school. Gosh. It's basically a pro tool school. You're making then, me feel guilty, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm the first guy to criticize full sale. And it's the things I get frustrated are an engineer comes out of full sale and automatically wants to parallel compress the kick and the bass group and sidechain that, you know, and do all this stuff. And it's like you're you're dreaming of having people in vol- that volunteer in churches that just understand what that concept even is. Yeah. I think the the problem we face now, which makes it even worse, is that there are things like the MXE podcast that people listen to and pick up half, half-baked half uh, pieces of information. Yeah. It's not a bad thing. That's why we're trying to correct all the wrongs with just one event, right? Well, uh, we're trying to fully bake our solutions. We don't want to give yeah. half-baked answers. No. But I think, but, uh, yeah, what's lacking, and I think uh, what would be a great thing for the industry here is if there was some kind of um, baseline introduction to basic audio concepts that we could hand out to um to church volunteers and they could work their way through that and at least automatically walk in on a Sunday with some concept of what needs to happen. But uh, I believe you guys have something like, may not have something like that, right? We do have something like that, (laughs) you know, but we need to do better research on the global church and the economic impact of that. Cause I mean, our, our pricing structure is set up for the American or the Western church and that's just being transparent. So you know, when it comes to like things like you're talking about, like we should take a look at that and how we can help. Um, but also I say all that, but internally as a company, we're doubling down on focusing on the church of, you know, that church of a hundred to a thousand. And cause for the longest time, like what you said, like, you know, half-baked ideas they hear on the podcast, we're totally guilty of that because we get on here and we talk about what we want to talk about. Right. Well, me, Jeff, and Jay, and and our guest, you know, Chris Raybold, Corey Edwards, these guys, they're all the best in the world at what they do. So naturally, when we talk about things, we don't really talk about how important it is to make sure um, that we understand what a high pass filter does. But to someone that's new at audio, it's crucial. Well, I think Nathan at dinner last night hit it on the head when we were talking about talking about um, veggie and scoreboard over here. 
um, two of your employees about how uh, they just want to put all the plugins on and you want them to learn which pin on an XLR is positive before they, you want the, yeah. them to have foundational knowledge before they can do that. Even yeah, though it looks sexy to have all that other stuff. But Yeah, I think it's so, it's so crucial and we can't reiterate it enough. Like in the simplest terms and when you think about mixing. Yeah. A gain knob, a high pass filter, and a fader. Right. It's like, let's start there. Let's start with putting a microphone in the right place. And let's talk about how to get the people that we're working with on the yeah. on the on the stage side yeah. to have good tone and play in tune and play in time. It's like there's so many things that we can talk about that will improve things right away before we ever do any compression or particularly you know multiband compression yeah. or, or parallel compression or anything like yeah. that and the thing that comes more apparent to me uh, sometimes is what makes a great engineer especially in the church context these days is not what you do but sometimes what you don't do and i think what i what i walk into a lot of the times in our in the projects that we maintain is people may be doing too much and i think because they don't have a fundamental understanding about gain structure and polarity and phase and you know, these are, are kind of, I don't want to say advanced concepts, but really important to understand because sound is a really complex thing. Um, yeah, physics is not only a good yeah. idea, it's the law. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I think if one understands like all of that stuff, like Lee and I are Yamaha guys, and I, I don't uh, I don't mind uh, talking about this kind of stuff, but the, I think the one thing that people maybe don't really understand about plugins and stuff is how all of these things come together at the mix bus. And like maybe something that a, a Rivage does well, for example, compared to other discs on the market is thinking about all of that. But, you know, a guy like Chris Raybould or um, Robert Scoville or whatever might understand that, mm. you know, different bus compression stuff requires you to manually, at least on the consoles that they're using on, um, think about like, you know, how all of these things are going to line up when they hit the summing bus. Um, but you walk into a church that might have an SD5 and waves, there and um none of that stuff is considered and it just sounds awful and then uh yeah at the end of the day like it's actually you have to ask yourself was it really better to use things or not to use them um in the interest of having good sound um this is kind of like what we're fighting on a daily basis i think this might be a good time to segue to our friend uh tambourine phil on instagram yeah. first off what a great name i know tambourine phil is the best gene kim is our favorite person that we Need to have him back. I think this is his invitation back. Can I, yeah, this will be his invitation back. But can I read just yeah. a little bit of his soapbox rant from yesterday? On Instagram. And then we it's, can talk it's, about it. It's strong language, kid. So. Strong language, yeah. So, and I just have to provide a little disclaimer because, well, I'll just read it and then we'll talk about yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. So. Guilty. Guilty for sure, but. No, me. I'm saying I'm guilty oh, yeah, before yeah. you read it. Okay. So here we go. I don't think Waves should let anyone under 30 buy plugins. Guns, alcohol, rental cars, irresponsible plugin users are killing people too. Maybe 35. And you should only get one new plugin every year. And if you want another plugin after your first one, you should be required to share a meal with one band member. <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> every three months, you should mix without any plugins and be given an Alesis Microverb or 990. I'd take a 990 right now. I just bought one. And you should also be forced to have a macro that enables or disenables the insert so that when you toggle it, there's no gain change from your plug-in. Back to my rocking chair. We'll keep shopping for my XL4. And then he says, and if you have never seen a Mackie VLZ, these are your choices. You have to make these work for three years until you get to mix over 98 dB A-weighted. Our verb, Bomb Factory 1176, Sans Amp. Then he calls us out and says, at MXU Rocks should be like the DMV for engineers. You have to go to Knoxville and take a test administered by an elder. <laughs> and then you get a laminated ID and you get a reliable old hand-me-down console until you pay all of your own bills by yourself, maybe an LS9 or a GL2400 or Venice. Thanks for visiting my soapbox. I love the Venice. But then he amends his soapbox and says, just when I was about to tone it down, I changed my mind. I think if you misuse plugins, you should have to pay the church back out of your own pocket, whatever you convince them to spend. <laughs> so they can address some needs in the youth room rather, rather than enabling your insecurities and excuse making. 
<laughs> oh my Hold up. god. <laughs> he says, and then the end is, I'll be here all day long, folks. My wife loves me, therefore I'm untouchable. <laughs> First off, I love Eugene Kim and your coffee, crewbrew.com. And that is hilarious. Yeah. If you all love that, go to Crewbrew and give him money. Buy, I think buy you something. had one too many expressos yesterday, bro. Did you say espresso? Espresso. Sorry. I hate people that say that. You hate yourself? I, I don't want to talk about it. Right <laughs> Keep moving. I think, I think you need two more espressos. Yeah. I think that's my problem. I've had some. Two uh, more, yeah. Two more drinks. Can you imagine how many people, if they really thought about it listening to this, bought gear out of insecurity and excuses and you shouldn't have. I, I raised my I hand. I raised my hand. I did that. Soapbox, it's okay to raise your I mean, hand. There you go. Any guitarist with too many guitar pedals. It's contextual awareness, right? It's what it's all about. I mean, that's why, you know, we, whatever level or however you want to call it, have our biases. We have our, well, this is how I think it is because this is how it is that the people that are, I see as my peers. And when, you know, you're in a position where like, you know, Sat, sat in this podcast where there's much smarter people than me in in the in the room and there's been mm-hmm. much smarter people interviewed jay's going amen <laughs> being interviewed before you know that's why we did stuff like you know this the why series that we put out it's it's not about you know how amazing that speaker is it's about the context that should inform your decision it's about making good choices making good decisions and being informed because yeah. if someone does that honestly i don't care if you don't buy dmb I'm not going to get fired for saying that. If you buy something that's the right thing for you, I think eventually you probably will buy DMV. The WHY series, check it out on YouTube, is is the is the little video series we did just to speak to that. Because I don't think anyone does. I think they just want to go, oh yeah, engage everybody, you know? Right. Just worship like Jesus is in the room. It's like, come on, guys, don't disrespect. Don't don't bring Jesus into your marketing mess. He is. He doesn't. He doesn't need your problems. <laughs> Josh, preaching over here. That's I know. Great. It's, it's like have some have Anglican some church. respect, you know. Yeah. And I and I I came to it and and there was no questions asked from DMB. They were like, you say you say what you feel is right. And big respect to them and all the great people I get to work with, not just in the company but extended who who resonate with that. I go, yeah, you know what? No BS. Let's do this properly. Yeah. yeah. Well, and everybody knows. Obviously, if you've listened to this podcast at all, you know that I'm a big Waves user. Yeah. I love Waves plugins. So it's not necessarily about that, but I think his mm-hmm. rant points to something that is so valuable. Yeah. It's like, don't, don't get caught up in these advanced tools and toys until you know foundational basic principles. And if you can't make a band, if you can't make a drum kit sound good with, 57s and 58s in an analog console, then you've got some work to do. Yeah. And it's not just audio. You know, it's video. It's lighting. It's everything. It's like cameras is a big one. Like, you know, these tiny churches feel like they need iMac. And I'm like, I... Is that that an ego thing? Like, why why does a 200-seat church need giant side screens and iMac? You know, and you know, it's got to look good on the internet and we're streaming now. I think that's a slippery slope. We got to be really careful with like, yeah. How, yeah, you do need to record and put your stuff online so that people that aren't there can see it. I get it. But does that need you? Does that mean you need five C three hundreds, you know, and we partner with Canon and we have right. C three hundreds and right. Darren at Canon would be 100% okay with me saying this. Like not every church needs that. Yeah. It's kind of the same thing. Yeah, and I think on this side of the world, um, to bring that home, like we just completed a big project in the neighboring country of Zimbabwe with a really great church up there um, who've been established for for 40 years. And um, yeah, if you know a bit of the history of Zimbabwe, you'll know about the economic decline. They had like some hyperinflation. Their currency totally collapsed. They were selling like a billion Zimbabwe dollars for one US dollar at one point. And um, this church had a PA system that they bought at the outside of the construction of their building 20 years ago and it, they just really outgrew it and it was a f- like a four or five year process to to land on a vendor um, to install that and I think yeah like um, compared to what I've seen in maybe some US churches the system might be quite simple but it's um, what stood out for me was the day I don't know Kai was with us up there and uh, there was a day before their conference when they inaugurated the use of this new sound system where people had literally walked like 15 miles from where they were living 
overnight some of them to come and like sweep the church and clean all the seating or whatever because of their being conference and i think like yeah i don't know at least in our context if there's a place for like ego purchasing like i must have this whatever piece of gear or these preamps or whatever to do that because yeah at the end of the day like how are you yeah you have to think about the people that are giving into or enabling you to make those kind of purchasing decisions and that's would be irresponsible of us for example to say hey by the way um you can do whatever you like, um, mark placement and gain structure doesn't matter, but we'll sell you all this fancy gear and it doesn't matter how you apply it because at the end of the day, they'll be doing an injustice to the, at least in our part of the world, a lot of people that you know are giving 10% of very little um, to make an investment like that possible. So um, that's something that's always on the back of my mind. And I don't know, it's, uh, yeah, I hope it's uh, something that, you know, it's just practical. I think, uh, yeah, we have to be, good stewards of the resources that are entrusted to us, whatever that means. 100%. Yeah. We need to have the, you know, the, the B3 playing behind Nathan at that <laughs> point, because he was preaching a little bit. Yeah. It's something that keeps me, I mean, we had a big fight about this recently, Kai and I, just about a client that I felt me and Kai, like our engineer, the podcast engineer. Yeah. He's going to hear about this the rest of his life. He uh, advised the church to buy some microphones that I thought were a bit lavish and unnecessary. And, <laughs> and the church didn't have a, um, you know, proper in-ear monitor stuff. And I felt like the budget could have been better diverted to that than to buy, you know, drum overheads that ended up muted most of the time anyway. Like, so um, that's a really big thing for me is to make sure that when we do take somebody's money or advise something that, you know, at least, you know, that person really needs that stuff. Because I'm the one, I feel morally obliged to, you know, make sure that they're not wasting it. That's good. Well, speaking of lavish and irresponsible, can uh, we just spend a few minutes please. talking about the most lavish thing I've seen in a long time? And this conversation that we're have, having right now, it's just full of heart and humility and passion to see the church thrive in all of its resources. And right in the middle of the five of us is an $80,000 set of headphones. It, this thing looks wild. Like when you turn it on, things appear. I don't even know how to describe it. Well, when you hit the power button, then the power button and three other buttons actually basically are motorized and they come out of the marble, basically foundation of this whole thing. Eight tubes kind of rise like Phoenix from the ashes from this uh, you know, preamp. And then... The headphones, like the, the headphones are enclosed in this sort of box with a glass case and the lid rises automatically to reveal these headphones that cost $80,000. I've got a USB stick with some MP3s. You think this is the... <laughs> Nathan, um, you might, you're the only person in the room that knows about this thing. What is this yeah, thing? Give us a run through here. Well, this is a Sennheiser HE1. So they're electrostatic headphones, not a dynamic driver like most headphones you use. So that means there's two metal plates with air between them that vibrate with electric charges. Um, this was a project that was done by Sennheiser as a kind of R&D project, challenge to their engineers to say, okay, if money was no object, like what would you build? Um, that's what they came up with. In the early 90s, there was another product called Orpheus uh, that was basically a Similar thing, um, engineering challenge, and basically what this is, just a refined version of that. Um, so the headphones themselves contain the power amp, so the umbilical cable that connects it carries a line-level analog audio and power, um, 1,000 volts DC, um, because you need incredibly high voltage to make the electrostatic drives work. Um, and yeah, the valves and all of that stuff in the base is just the preamp. Um, it can play, it has a USB and SP diff input, can play 384K DSD, um, audio so and that's mar what kind of marble is that made out of carrera marble carrera yeah um we love sennheiser uh -huh. and they they work with us mm -hmm. and our friends at sennheiser would say churches please do not buy this <laughs> um please however look at their their other headphones like the hd 280s that's right which are fantastic and the neumann nd20s which i really like a little pricey, but they're great. Um, but serial number 001, mm -hmm. who has those? Elon Musk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, not a televangelist. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> um, so are we going to listen to these? Can we? Sure, yeah. Okay. Absolutely. 
I've got a really low quality MP3 I downloaded off Napster. I'd like to listen to. <laughs> what are you going to listen to on them? I don't know, but I'm excited. I want to hear them. Yeah. I mean, we got to we got to walk walk the room with the headphones on to uh, <laughs> yeah some some of the classic PA Soundtech tracks. Right. So, so Toto. Then we have a playlist of Steely Dan. Yeah, MSU Soundtech have, playlist, playlist on Spotify. Yeah. Chris yeah. Jones. Yeah. That's it. Well, thank you guys for being with us today. We're so excited to be chatting with you and cannot wait for the event on Wednesday and Thursday. And uh, when we get back to the States, why don't we do a couple of these workshops in Knoxville? Yes, let's for sure do that in November. What are the dates? 7th and 8th of November are the audio days. Yep. The 9th is lighting, lighting. and the 10th is video. Yeah, so those are limited to 40 people each. Tickets are moving pretty fast and they are... Like what our traditional MXU events were, it'll be Jeff and I at these. We're going to build a console file from scratch. We're going to really like dive really deep and it'll be beginner to expert. You know, it'll, it will be like, like I said, how to build a console file, but then you guys will be able to ask questions like, how do you side chain that gate to a Tom or, you know, the questions that we normally get every time Right. we're, we're going to go into that, but then lighting and video we've never done solo events like that before so tony franson and daniel cannell will be our uh, special lighting guest God, i love tony franson I know, so much i know both those guys i think they're the i love best daniel too at what they do they've got some cool stuff planned similar to what we've done with audio at these events they're going to do with lighting and then rusty anderson and jeremy bagwell will i like one of those <laughs> close out the week with video so some different things with how to you know setting up cool stuff on a switcher and not just stuff that you know you can do in a raw switcher but if you get a black magic switcher you're gonna learn some stuff too yeah so go to getmxu.com and you can find out all the information under the events tab i think there's around 20 seats left combined for both audio days and probably around the same for the video and the lighting so don't waste any time and comes with dinner and you get to hang out at our new headquarters pretty awesome that's great nathan thank you for what you're doing for the church here in the continent of africa asher you mentioned the spice girls if you had to pick me as one of the spice girls what would it be or there's five of us i mean we could all get us uh, i feel like you're the superhero who would be all five in one i think he's two yeah. only he's two. two shorty spicy Spicy. Mm. Are those actual spicy Nando's? Names? <laughs> yeah, you're that Indian, <laughs> Extra hot Nando's. Indian food we had last night. Still feeling it. And oh, by the way, South Africa, all of y'all are tall. I'm six foot. I feel short here. And Jay couldn't reach the urinal in the bathroom. That's why I'm here <laughs> why did you take a photo? <laughs> I did take a photo. He's on Literally, his tippy toes. I was like, I can't reach this urinal. <laughs> I felt like a child. I felt like a man child. <laughs> but luckily, Lee came up behind me and picked me up. <laughs> yeah. It was great. Okay, we digressed. We should probably end this. Bye, everybody.